Welcome to the Meditation Podcast. You can find all our episodes on meditationpodcast.org. We're also on YouTube. You'll find the links in the podcast description. And we're also on Spotify. So the last few interviews have been on Spotify video as well. I'm also a coach, a podcasting coach, because I've got four other podcasts with four getting to the top half percent. And you'll find everything on buyer.link forward slash podcaster. Today, my guest, he's actually been around the world. He's been in the USA, India, Germany, currently in Mexico, high performance uh, life coach. Please welcome Amrit Singh. Thank you for having me. No problem. See, you might let the listeners know. Who's Amrit? I'm all kinds of things. I get quite a condensed down to to my my outer shape you know with the beard and the turban that i'm wearing it's it's so easy to go there and be like oh he he goes into that little you know into that little drawer but i would like to think of myself as much more you know i'm than my outer uh, appearance and so for me i i'm a spiritual seeker i my highest goal is really to serve the world serve people individually allow people to learn more about themselves connect more to their hearts and just really truly connecting to their purpose in this world okay so you're originally from germany i believe yes that's correct yes so with Close the... to you from berlin actually just oh yeah. i've been to Two berlin drive beautiful over. beautiful <laughs> uh, yeah beautiful city yeah five hours yeah, drive from where i am so like was it through India that you started wearing the turbine and what's that about and the, the, the beard as well? Is there some connection with everything? Oh, I started in Germany and I started through my Kundalini yoga practice and my teacher was wearing a turban. And so I got curious about it. You know, and I was like, well, why is this, this guy wearing a turban? Why is he having a beard? So I learned a little bit more about it and I learned about the Sikh religion. And I'm like, oh, religion. Now I'm like, last thing I'm interested in, I want spirituality in my life and then very quickly i realized that that this this word religion was really just you know out of necessity put onto the Sikh religion but it was much more of a lifestyle and the lifestyle was about what do you do to make yourself a better version of yourself you know why do we meditate so we can be a better version of ourselves why do we eat healthy and we take care of our health in general is so we can serve better and we can Again, our temple, our body is in a better shape. Why do we do all these things? And then I learned about why why the Sikh Thai turban. And it was really out of necessity because every Sikh has long hair. And when you walk around in India with long hair, you know, and no access to regular showers and nice shampoo and conditioner, it's really complicated, you know, because you get all the dirt in there and it's a huge mess and you look like one of those sadhus, you know, with a big dreadlock. So for us as Sikhs, we, the teaching was to use a comb every day and comb your hair and keep these, these hairs aligned. And, you know, the hairs are kind of like antennas in our belief system. And it allows the sun energy to flow into the top of the head. And so by keeping them nicely combed, and putting it together and rolling it together in a rishi knot and then covering it with a piece of cloth, that's really how the turban was born. So the turban was never really like the, the real thing. It was about the hair and it was about protecting the hair and having this, you know, maintenance for the hair. 
Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, never, never knew that. Interesting. And with your journey then going to India, like what's your kind of whole journey, what you learned there and the difference between the different countries? I mean, I'm not sure in the US and Mexico, but I, I presume most of the stuff that you were doing, you spent a longer time in India, was it? Yes, I started in India. I I deepened my meditation practice. I deepened my yoga practice. I would have many you know, sadhanas or daily practices where I would meditate for five, six hours a day and to really just connect to myself. And also, again, you know, living in India, you have the luxury to do those kinds of things because you have someone who makes food, you have someone who cleans your apartment, you know, you live in the Western world and you say, oh yeah, I like meditating for six hours a day. That's, that's usually not a reality. You know, you need to, you need to have that setup where you have you know, you have the environment that supports that. And so that was, for me, one of the biggest things which I got from my time in India. And, like, I believe you've studied the Kundalini Yoga. So you might let people know what exactly that is. Yeah, Kundalini Yoga is one of many paths of yoga. You know, it all connects to the 5,000-year-old practice of yoga. And then from there, different pathways came out. Kundalini yoga was always kind of considered the, the little bit secret path because it is very powerful, it's very effective, and it can change you very quickly. But my teacher brought it into the United States. His name was Yogi Bhajan, and he started teaching it openly. And it was actually a big deal because his teachers and people connected to the yoga tradition were saying, oh, my God this is so bad, you cannot teach this openly, this is so so powerful, it's very secretive, you know, we've been passing this on from teacher to student over generations, it was really all about, are you worthy enough to become the next student, and now suddenly this guy goes to the US and starts teaching it openly in the 70s, and it was really interesting for, for that generation, you know, that, that hippie flower power generation which wanted new experiences which wanted out of the body experiences which wanted this this feeling of hey i'm i'm more than just this physical form and my mind i'm i'm this multi-dimensional being and that's why drugs were so big you know drugs are, are awesome for that it takes you and it knocks you right out into your into your other dimensions unfortunately you know it's tied to the substance and it ties to you being stoned afterwards. And so Kundalini Yoga does the same thing. It, it pushes you out into these dimensions we don't usually have contact with, and it allows you to do it in a sustainable and healthy way where you don't have to put drugs in your body. And is it done, because like from my own experience, it was true breathwork, I like that I'd you know experience amazing things is it more through the breath that everything is it's a combination between the breath the movement the the connection with the different chakras with the expansion of your own aura really important also to have the group of other practitioners you practice with because it allows you to 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 connect to this you know wider consciousness of the group and that in combination then with deep meditation in challenging postures, which 
can be practiced by everybody because it's really just a mind challenge. You know, we have a lot of these exercises where you hold your arms out to the side and hold them there for like 10 minutes, half an hour, something like that, which becomes a really challenging thing because our mind goes like, oh my God, it hurts so much after about two minutes into it. But if you can get through that point, the the brain starts, you know, um, putting out morphine and it allows your body to relax. And then you can go into these very deep spiritual experiences, even at the beginner. Okay, because like just from what you're saying, I'm thinking of, say, the ice bats, that you go into the ice bats and it's pure uh-huh. panic at the start. Yeah. But then it's like, I could stay there as yes. long as I want. It's like yes. you're just in the, the zone. Yes, it's super similar. It's exactly that. It's it's this going above and beyond what your mind thinks is possible. And then suddenly, like you're saying, you arrive in the zone and you're becoming the real version of yourself. And you're thinking like, oh my God, I can do this. I'm I'm feeling it. And that's when you start expanding. That's why the ice baths are so powerful because the moment you step out of it, you can you can hold that expansion you're feeling a more expanded version of yourself and that's that's what makes it so amazing and you you went from then from india to the us was it that usa was the next stop that you started living um i went to the us basically every summer because i would live in india for 9 months of the year and then in the summer i would go traveling i would spend a month in the us so I had a lot of connection there. A lot of my friends are from the U.S., a lot of the communities from the U.S. And so I connected a lot to the United States in that way. I met my wife there, who's Mexican, and, you know, then she came with me to India. And then after we left from India, we spent two years in Germany. You got surprised by the COVID lockdown. And then we ended up, you know, in Mexico, which is such a better place to live than cold Germany. <laughs> And, or Poland, I'm sure. <laughs> and with uh, like kind of like a daily practice, then doing the Kundalini, like on your own, do they kind of recommend that you spend so much time and you do all these poses, or is it something that you get to a certain level that you can kind of tap into it without kind of going to the extremes of holding your hands out for say 10, 10 to thirty minutes? Oh, it's the the holding your arms out is really an experience. It's again very similar to the ice bath. And sure, yeah, you can do the ice bath for like 10 minutes, 20 minutes, or really work yourself up to break Wim Hof's records. But it's not so much about that. It's much more about the daily reminder and the daily practice and the daily, hey, let me just go for three minutes in the ice bath because it does so much. And I can implement it in my daily routine and really make it part of my of my life. Okay. And uh, there was a thing, um, Harry, I, I have it written down there. I'm after forgetting the name of it. Uh, you're a trainer and practitioner of Satnam. Was that the level three professional teacher that, that was done in India? That The Satnam Rosine practice is also something I learned over the 25 years I've been into this. And it's a, it's a very simple but very sophisticated healing art. And really, all it does is that you as the therapist or as the healer in that moment enter this very deep state of meditation. 
And by holding this very neutral and clear state of meditation, when you get in contact with another human being, you can observe a change in your electromagnetic field. And you can say like, oh, I'm sensing, uh, you know, uh, a block here or uh, a resistance here or something which is out of balance. And so really all you do in the practice of Satam Resign is hold that relationship to the person you, you want to, you know, heal for lack of a better word and hold that space and allow these blocks and challenges to drop away through your own meditative field. And then the other person walks away, you know, better. And this is actually interesting enough. It's the same thing every mother does with their child. You know, when, when a mother nurses the child, the mother goes into this meditative state, the child goes into this meditative state through the sucking, and together they're holding this very sacred space where everything just balances and, and heals. So it's very powerful. And with, say, the coaching then, are you kind of, when you're, like, I know it's high-performance life coaching, are you, is it more face-to-face uh, -face or are you doing it uh, both online and offline? I do everything online. I really like the way online works. I really like the way I can connect with my clients through Zoom. I had I was a little doubtful in the beginning, you know, in the beginning of COVID and all that, and was thinking, ah, oh, who knows? But it's so profound because we as human beings have this ability to energetically connect. You know, like we're sitting on the other side of the world with each other, but we're connecting from our hearts energetically in real time. And this this tool of the of the Zoom connection helps us because I can see you, I can hear you, I can see your facial expressions, and it allows me to connect with you easier. But it's the same thing, you know. So in in Satam Rosine, actually, it's the same technique. You do not need the patient in front of you. He can be on the other side of the world because really all it takes is this energetic link. And so I use that in my coaching by you know, using Zoom as a tool, but really being able to work extremely deeply with my clients this way. And is it more kind of the energy side of things? In life, are you kind of doing everything? Because, I mean, you touched, you mentioned earlier about, you know, eating well and everything. Like, say, if we look at, say, the blockages, are you kind of realizing that somebody has a blockage, hence why they've got a problem wherever they are, whether it's business, family? Is it kind of that you're touching into where you feel the block is irrespective of what field? Yeah, totally. I mean, usually people come to me and they have a goal. They say, I want to go from point A to point B. I want to get my business off the ground. I want to improve my relationship. I want to improve my, my personal practice. But then as we're going through this very mental, you know, talking process, we come to a point where, where something feels a little bit off, you know, something feels like a little stuck. It's usually when my client says, I don't know. And then my favorite response to that is, okay, what do you pretend that you don't know? And then they're like, what do you mean? Uh, 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 you know, and that's when when I take a break and I put them in the heart and we just do a lot of breathing and we do a little bit of visualization and 
then I can use this technique of Satnam Rasayan to connect with them and really open space. And suddenly they are like, I know, I know what I, you know? So for me, it's really important that I'm not going out there telling you what you should be doing to improve your life, but I'm providing space for you to know what you should be doing to improve your life. And then I help you with the mechanics of it and I help you moving and I help you implementing it and making it a reality. Excellent. And like, I know you've, you've kind of spent a lot of time in say the four countries, you know, Germany, India, America, and now Mexico, like, especially even online, but I presume you've got kind of clients from these different countries. Have you noticed any kind of trends based on the conditioning of the country? True clients. Interesting question. Um, I no, I I would not say so much because most of my clients are very international too. You know, it's people who have traveled a lot, have lived in different countries, and yeah, no, it's really it, it. The trend I have in my work with my clients is really that it always comes back to the same thing. You know, it's like, what do you truly want? Why do you want it? And is that really coming from your heart? And then suddenly we got that base. You know, we got that baseline why you want to sit on your computer for six hours and create websites or do some marketing or do whatever you need to do to do what you want to do, but to connect these pieces to your why and to your true feeling of that's who I am. That's how I want to express myself in this world. And suddenly you want to jump out of bed the next morning at 6 a.m. And, and work on your on your business idea because you know this is what your passion is and what you want to give to the world. And like what, what I've noticed, I don't know, have you kind of noticed this, but those that have kind of lived in another country, even if it was for six months, they kind of think a lot differently. They're more creative. They don't get into the same kind of box that, you know, because most people tend to watch the same programs in a certain country. And have you noticed something similar? Yes, totally. I mean, just going to travel or like you're saying, living somewhere and really integrating yourself and not just being in a resort for two weeks and saying, I went traveling. <laughs> you know, that's not really what me going traveling means. It's like, it's more this like, you know, going on an adventure, you know, taking a risk, saying I'm leaving my comfort of my home. You know, it's kind of like the hero's journey. You go out there in the world and stuff happens and <laughs> you're in a shitty situation. But then you realize how many kind helpers are there in the world who will stand by your side and who will help you and who will guide you. And then when you when you complete that journey and you come back home, you're you're this more advanced version of yourself, which is really expressing yourself at a whole new level. And when, because I mean, I've been to, I don't know, 30 or 40 countries and I, I'm obviously Irish, but I go to Estonia for uh, like a month at a university and I take my son as well. But with different places I've been around, I kind of feel the energy. Is there something that you feel as well that when you're, there's certain places that, whoa, this just feels right, that you can just connect with where you are. Yeah, oh, totally. I mean, I had the, this experience when I came to India the first time. India is an extremely spiritual country. You know, with all the, the crap which is going on there, but the, 
the spirituality is so deeply ingrained in the land and in the people that just going to India and sitting down and saying, I want to do a, a meditation that lasts for one hour, it's a breeze. You can even do it, you know, in the airport hotel with all the craziness of the airport right next to you because it's so deeply connected to the country. And so for India, I always felt meditation came very easy. It was much more challenging for me to go back to Germany and keep my same meditative practice because Germany is all about working. And guess what was really easy in Germany? Getting work done, you know, sitting on my laptop for six hours, super easy. And then coming here to Mexico, now I'm like, okay, great, you know, let's get some work done. And you sit and after 20 minutes, you're like, oh, you know, and everybody is like out dancing and partying and opening the heart and being, you know, in connection and having fun. That's really easy here in Mexico. So every country has their own beautiful aspect. And I think especially when we're younger, it's it's easy to be pulled in that direction. But at the you know, at my age now, I can really see the difference between the different countries and say, okay, you know, I can connect to this German aspect and get work done. I can connect to my time in India and meditate deeper. And I can connect more to having fun and going out dancing, what I'm learning here in Mexico. And so it's good stuff. Oh, excellent. And I know uh, Build and Grow Mary Perry Academy. What, what's that about, Mary Perry? We had this, uh, this school for teenagers, young adults, was from started as early as eight in the early years and went till 18. And it was based on the teachings of Yogi Bhajan, which was the, the Kundalini Yoga teacher who I learned from in the beginning. And it was a boarding school for teenagers and the whole idea and the whole concept you know with all its flaws it had was to allow teenagers to live and explore themselves away from their parents in a safe environment through meditation and yoga okay okay excellent and uh, like with the diet was there much in nutrition with what you've learned did they go into that or is it just kind of let people do their thing because how important is it in i suppose the well-being as well for the you know increasing your lifespan totally i mean diet is is such a, a broad subject and there's so many amazing opinions out there and unfortunately it's not the same diet that works for everybody because each diet for each person has a different effect and each diet is also different, you know? So for example, if you say, oh, I only want to eat fruit, that's a great diet if you want to sit and meditate for six hours a day because it keeps really light and really spacey and it's really easy to connect to your higher chakras and to your higher consciousness. If you live out in the world, you know, and you have to you know, drive a truck and you have to you know, carry heavy boxes and you only live off fruit, it's rough. You know, I've done this for six months once in my life where I was actually working physically. I, I think I was like 22, 23. And I ended up eating eight apples for breakfast, you know, which sounds not so crazy, but until you start chewing eight apples, you know, by apple seven, my jaw was tired. It took me 45 minutes to chew these eight apples. So it was like this kind of stuff that your diet needs to adjust the needs 
of your body, of your circumstances, of your age, if you're a man, if you're a woman, what's your blood type? So it's really not so easy to give a direct and clear answer on what is the best diet. The one recommendation I would make is don't overeat. So whatever you do, don't overeat. And this is one of the good things about eating broccoli and rice and vegetables because it's not so easy to overeat on those kinds of healthy foods compared to when you go to McDonald's and you get three Big Macs and two pommes and, and a big Coke, that's very easy to finish because it's designed for you to overeat so they can sell a lot of burgers, right? So, and the overeating is really what, what drops your energy because food is designed to bring prana, bring life energy into your body. And then it uses some of that life energy to digest the food and then hopefully you're left with more afterwards. So when you overeat, what happens is your body goes in this emergency response where it actually has to use more energy to digest all the stuff you, you put in there than you're getting out of it. And that leaves you tired, drained, exhausted, and feeling like you need a big cup of coffee so you can even open your eyes the next day. Yeah, and you you mentioned the blood because I don't think uh, a lot of people are actually aware of that. But everybody, you can know by the blood what actually food is actually suitable for you. And I mean, I think you just have to listen to yourself because I know myself the certain foods, and I can go tiny amount of food and I'm grand. And there's other times it just crashes and you just have to go what made me crash and just pay attention to it. But majority of people, they just go, they just choke through life, unfortunately. And I think you have to kind of play, you know, close attention to everything. Yeah. So with what's your daily kind of routine now, now that you've kind of, you know, done, done all this, have you got a kind of routine that's kind of from, from morning that based on all your trainings? Yeah. What I, what I enjoy is I like to wake up early. You know, I like to wake up before the sun rises. And so that really helps me. And that connects to the day before. So I go to bed early. I try to go to bed before 10 o'clock. So I get my, you know, seven hours around sleep. And then I wake up at five. And I'll get ready. And I sit and I meditate. And I spend usually like an hour and a half in meditation in the morning just to be by myself, you know, while the kids are still asleep and the house is quiet. And it's just, it's a really good time to connect and be in my heart. And then I do a little bit of yoga practice. And that's really then after those two hours, I'm, I'm ready. And that's when I do my creative work, you know, like because I'm, I'm so in my flow that it's really easy to do creative writing, creative video work or whatever, you know, needs to be done. And then that's really it, you know, and then during the day, I just reconnect to myself on a regular basis. I connect through my breath. I connect through feeling present. I take a moment, you know, like before I pick up my phone and start mindlessly scrolling just to, to take a breath and just sit for a couple of seconds and feel myself and be present. I mean, I, I live as a vegetarian, so I... I work on having a, a healthy and balanced diet and not just to live off bread, cheese and candy, you know, like I know many vegetarians do, but to actually say like, okay, you know, eat my fruit, I eat my vegetables, I eat my beans, I, and really have, have like that healthy approach to life. Drink a lot of water, 
which I feel is super important to just, you know, keep yourself in balance. And what about uh, sun gazing? Have you touched on that? Have you done that? What's your thoughts on that? I've done a little sun gazing. I've actually done something which was 25 years ago. There was this lady, uh, her name was Jasmine. She spoke about living off prana. And so that perked my interest. You know, there was a time where, where I tried everything. Also around the time where I had the six month fruit diet. And so I tried out her process and that was very similar. It was a way of connecting your body to the pranic flow and sustain yourself of prana. And so that, that I did for three weeks and was an extreme process. She, the way she teaches it was that for the first week, you don't drink and you don't eat. And then you start drinking slowly and you don't eat for three weeks. And all that is accompanied by a process of consciously connecting to having your body sustained by prana, like it is in the sun gazing, you know, where you're really absorbing the energy of the sun in that way. Okay. And with the grounding, then, do you do much grounding? I do a lot of grounding work just through my meditation practice. And I like going out into nature. For me, I found very early on that the way to grow your tree into this, you know, meditative practice, which very much takes you up through your body into these higher centers and into this vast, huge connection, it's only possible through building solid roots and really connecting yourself just as deeply as just, you know, flying off into the ethers. I think this is one of the, the issues a lot of people have with drugs is they haven't developed the grounding, you know, especially for teenagers or young adults who, who don't have that base yet. And they, they, they take drugs and it just shoots them up into the air and, and really gets them out there. And then it can, be, can become a little bit scary, right? Because you're, you're out there in the ethers having a hard time finding your way back. And just curious, because like, I mean, different people that I've met over the years, some people touch on, say, ayahuasca or different DMT, different things once and just get the experience and then kind of others do it through breath work. But there's others that tend to constantly do it. And I don't know, you're doing more damage than good when you feel like you have to constantly use these kind of plant medicines. Yeah, I mean, this the thing with all medicine, you know, like the, the moment you become dependent on it, it's really more of an addiction than you using medicine. And this can be with aspirin or with, with anything else you're, you're doing, but you need to find a way to, to have a beginning and an end when you use the medicine. Excellent. Listen, I'm totally enjoyed the conversation you made. Let people know how they can get in contact with you. Yeah, I mean, one one way I've been active on social media is through TikTok. And so that's like, that's something fun. I started with, with one of my colleagues and we built an account together. And now recently I, I started my own account, so it's still small, but I have a lot of fun with it. I post daily on it. I share little snippets. I'll, I'll take little pieces of this interview and put it on there. So this, this is really the best way of getting in touch with me. You can also have a look on my website, 
and I'm sure you can can add these two links. It's easier than than me repeating it here. Okay, yeah, and make sure, yeah, and I'll put the TikTok as well. I've I've started playing with TikTok as well, and uh, I don't know. I I find TikTok is actually uh because it's in small little, you know, some are only 15 seconds, but it goes up to about three minutes, but you find fantastic information. You can stop all the silly dances by pressing the button. I don't want to see that, but I'm learning so much from TikTok. So I, th I think it's actually very beneficial if you use it right. So perfect. Yeah, I like it a lot. And I think it's a great way also to connect with the younger generation. And I'm just having fun with it. You know, that's really the best part about TikTok. No, exactly. That's what it's about. It's all about fun. Perfect. So thank you very much. I'll make sure I put the links both on the audio and the video. Awesome. Super. So that's all for the meditation podcast. As mentioned, you find us on BitChute and uh, YouTube, meditationpodcast.org, and everything about me, my other podcasts, and my podcast coaching, bio.link forward slash podcaster. Sure to give us a thumbs up, five star rating, really helps. Until next week, take care.